And uh, just so by way of planning, it will definitely be in the bulletin next week or so. Um, with, with your permission, I'd like us to move the annual business meeting to the last Sunday of the month. That would be the 29th of January. Uh, that way we'll have time to get back from the home missions conference at Heartland and have things prepared. Um, uh, we kind of had a little discussion about that in the men's uh, breakfast yesterday. Anybody have a problem with moving that to the last Sunday of the month? So we'll just put that in the bulletin there and let you know uh, as that approaches. And uh, that way everybody can plan to be there uh, on that Sunday. Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we're going to try to finish up the fruit of the Spirit uh, tonight. We've got two more left. The last two, meekness, temperance, and... uh, Then, of course, next Sunday night will be uh, Christmas Sunday. We will not have an evening service on Christmas Sunday. We'll have our morning service. And again, just challenge you, be here right at 1030. Uh, If you come late, you're going to miss things. And so we want you to be here. It's just going to be one basically combined service. We may have a little bit of a break. We normally have two or three minutes between the Sunday school time and the actual worship service. And we may have just a few minutes, but we'll probably shake hands and do some things like that. But just encourage you to be here right at 1030, and uh, we'll try to get you out and have you walking out the door, if you so desire, before 1230, so that uh, you can go home and enjoy the afternoon evening with your family. And uh, not this Thursday night, but a week from Thursday, uh, Peter will be preaching the Thursday evening service. And then Sunday night, the first, Andrew preached that service. And then the following Thursday night, uh, Brother Franz will preach that service. And uh, I haven't talked to Brother Jason yet, but we're going to try to have you preach the Sunday night of the annual business meeting, which is the 29th of January, all right? And uh, trying to schedule our young preachers, those that are in training and looking to the ministry to have opportunities to preach, and uh, and of course uh, Peter looks forward to preaching when Ashley is here, and Ashley looks forward to Peter preaching when she is here, and Sonia is coming to visit Brother Franz, and she'd like to hear him preach. And fortunately, Andrew hasn't graduated to that yet, but uh, and uh, he's going to stay single till he's thirty-five, right, Andrew? No. Uh, uh, in, uh, in the Lord's timing. But I uh, want, want Andrew to have an opportunity and then trying to get everybody scheduled in. I feel like, wow. And then see January, uh, uh, what is it, the 8th is the second Sunday. Brother Paul Pritchard will be with us that Sunday evening. And that's also the day we take off for the Home Missions Conference to Heartland. And then uh, we get back and we'll have uh, a young man. Uh, You'll have to pray for me that I don't call him Donnie and embarrass him in front of all of you. But uh, Brother Don Whitaker is a missionary to Belize. A great young man. I taught him physical education when he was in ninth grade. And uh, now he's graduated uh, and uh, been serving faithfully for 
10 or 15 years in the ministry. He's an assistant pastor and youth director and different things. And and now he wants to go to uh, Belize. And I'll tell you what, if there's somebody that we need to add to our mission family, we'll want to add Brother Whitaker. Uh, but that's why you need to keep giving. Amen. And uh, uh, Brother Mosier called and he said he wanted to just thank you for the wonderful love offering and the extra donation. He says, where did that come from? I said, well, somebody put it in the offering plate. Amen. And he says, well, what is it? I said, it's support. Uh, and and you can use that as God sees fit. And he's, oh, he's just praising the Lord and, and just thrilled. And I told him, I hope that by the time that gift runs out, there was about six months support in the special offering that went to him. I, I said, hopefully we'll have enough to keep it up on a monthly basis. Amen. And so uh, what we need to do is just uh, pray that God will stretch the ropes a little bit. Is that Joey? Okay, Joe, you you can't sing when Dad's preaching. Okay. And so, um, the Lord is doing some great things here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church, and we need to pray that He keeps doing them. Amen. And uh, so, let's... Get right into this before I talk my way right out of our sermon time here. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. You know, people have made an awful lot of laws, but no one even in... Communism's darkest day made a law that you couldn't love another human being. You couldn't love... They, they wanted to say you couldn't love God, but they couldn't stop it now, could they? There's no law that's ever been passed that says you've got to go out and fight with other people and kill somebody. Peace. There's no law that's ever been passed that says, I want everybody in my kingdom or in, in our nation to be unhappy. Now, we've had a few law, lawmakers that have tried that. Uh, someone said, could you describe New York? I said, well, it's pretty easy. Anything that is enjoyable, uh, brings a little peace to life, it's either outlawed or taxed to death. That's New York City. Uh, I said, be careful, the Democrats want to do it everywhere. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're just going to keep serving the Lord. It says here, they don't make laws against people being gentle. They don't make laws against goodness. And we come here to these last two, meekness and temperance. And these are two words that are really misunderstood Normally, when we hear temperance, if you hear it in anything, it's talking about people who don't drink alcohol. Well, that's a good thing. I don't believe that uh, any Christian should drink any type of alcohol. He said, well, what if the doctor prescribes it for medicine? Uh, 
let me tell you, if you need it that badly, just stop lying to yourself and go somewhere else and get drunk. Amen? You just don't need it that bad. In fact, I can tell you the story of an independent Baptist preacher that had been against alcohol all his life. And as he got older, he had several intestinal operations and all of this. And the doctor said, listen, just a little wine once in a while, one glass every evening would really help you out, believe it or not. In a period of four or five years, he was out of the ministry. He was a confirmed alcoholic, and he lost 50 years of a good testimony for Christ. Let me die early, then lose my testimony for Christ. Amen? You just don't need it. But that's not what the Bible is speaking about. Temperance is not resistance to imbibing alcoholic beverage. It's much more than that. And so let's just look at this. And and if you've been around here very long, we've run this meekness thing. You'll hear me repeat it very often. Meekness, the textbook definition is gentleness of spirit, humility, gentle, courteous, kind of a superior, merciful, compassionate, indulgent spirit. Now, when the Bible talks about meekness, let me just quote you a few verses or read them for you. Numbers 12, 3 says, Now Moses, now the man Moses was very meek above all men which were upon the face of the earth. Now, how in the world was Moses courteous when he stuck his finger in Pharaoh's face and said, Let my people go. Or when he dropped the rod at the Red Sea and all of Pharaoh's army was drowned. Uh, yet the Bible says, Moses, if we want to know about meekness... Moses is the man to study. In fact, it was uh, Paul who would later... Let me see if I have the verse printed out here. But uh, no, I don't. He, he said he beseeched the, the people, I believe it was in Corinth, by the meekness of Jesus Christ. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not just allowing somebody to do whatever they want. Uh, there are other words for that. Uh, one of them is dumb, amen? Uh, just allowing people to walk all over you for no other reason than allowing people to step all over you is, is not smart. It's not intelligent. It's not biblical meekness. Now, if somebody wants to persecute you for being a Christian, something that happens very rarely here in the United States, then that's a different story. But meekness, in its simplest working definition, is going in the authority or living under the authority of another. How was Jesus so meek? Everything he did was at the command of the Father. Never once did Jesus serve himself. When the devil came to him, said, you've been fasting 40 days, you need to eat. Man liveth not by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. said, there are more important things. It's obeying God. How was Moses meek? It was God that told Moses to stick his finger in Pharaoh's face and say, let my people go. It was at God's command he dropped the rod. It wasn't Moses. 
You read the cha- you read the passage here. I love the picture that it paints. The nation of Israel is screaming at Moses. Why didn't you let us die in Egypt to bring us out here and have us murdered by Pharaoh's soldiers? And he says, you hold your peace. Next verse is God speaking to Moses and says, why criest thou after me? Unto me. Moses is sitting there going, God, what are we going to do? And God said, stretch out the rod. And he does in the sea parts. He says, put it down. And he does. And the sea comes in and Pharaoh and all of his army were killed and destroyed. Could you imagine a nation losing its entire army in one engagement? This Red Sea thing was not two or three chariots chasing two or three people. There were nearly two million Israelites walking through this valley of water on the other side. You're going to kill two million people? Are you going to do that with 50 guys? You're going to need the whole army. There were thousands and thousands. Pharaoh's army was following him. They rode those chariots down into the valley and Moses dropped his hand and the water came down. He said, you see these people? You're not going to see them again anymore. Meekness. How do we live under God's authority? Number one, you stop making your own decisions and let God start making them for you. That's what it's all about. How do I do that? Well, let's go back one. What's faith? Faith is believing God's word enough to obey it, is it not? Meekness is living that way. Meekness is the state of being there. How many times have you done something right automatically without thinking about it just because you have been trained to do that? Not very often. You see, when the Holy Spirit has full control. Remember a preacher telling the story, he said, I was a roofer. And he said, I was trying to witness to the guys on, my, on the project here and the, uh, where I worked and nobody listened to me. They always called me the preacher and mocked me. And he said, one day we were up there driving nails. This was before air nailers. And so he said, you'd put the nail there and you give it a little tap and it would hold in the soft part of the shingle and then bam and drive that nail all the way home. So he says, we were up there sitting going, pop, bam, pop, bam. And he said, I felt it back here. He said, I knew I was swinging it wrong. He said, and I couldn't stop it. He said, I knew exactly what was going to happen. He said, that hammer came down on my thumb and blood squirted out both sides. And he said, I was, I was in pain. And he said, I'm sitting there. And he said, in, in the agony, I'm looking and I'm realizing every man on the crew is looking at me. Is the preacher going to cuss? What's going to happen? 
And he said, in that millisecond, he said, I just prayed. He said, and before I knew what happened, praise the Lord came out of my mouth. He said, every one of them guys, boop, 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 boop. he said, we were off that roof in an hour. He said, there was five hours work up there. Nobody wanted to be around me. You know why? That's meekness. He had something inside of him that naturally came out and gave glory to God. Amen? How do you get that? Well, let me tell you, it doesn't come naturally. It's got to be produced. And you're not the one that produces it. It's the fruit of the Spirit. He's got to grow it. And fruit doesn't just show up on the vine on the end of the branch one day and ready to be eaten the next. It's got to go through that ripening and that growing process. And let me tell you, unless you have love, joy, peace, a long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith, you're never going to get to meekness. Meekness is a wonderful thing. By the way, meekness is like humility in the way that if you ever really look at yourself and say, wow, I got it. I'm humble. Gone. You just blew it. Humility is one of those things that if you ever stop and look at it and say, hey, that was a pretty humble deed. You just got proud. That's how easily we lose it. Meekness is the same way. When the fruit of meekness exhibits itself, it's the Holy Spirit of God controlling you. And most of the time, you won't even be aware that it happens. Remember, the fruit is not for the benefit of the tree. The fruit is for the benefit of everyone around the tree. Amen? The fruit of the Holy Spirit isn't so that you can feel better about things. It's so that others can see the Holy Spirit is at work in your life. Amen? It says, But thou, O man of God, as Paul was writing to Timothy, flee these things talking about riches and seeking things of this world, follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. You got to follow it. You got to search for it. As he's instructing Timothy how the pastor is supposed to preach, it says in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You see, if I instruct you after my own ideas and my own thoughts, you're going to be in big trouble. And so will I be when I stand before God. But if I open up God's word and I said, this is what the Bible says, guess what? That's meekness. And that's how, we're suppo- that's how the pastor is supposed to teach. It says to speak evil of no man, not to be brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. James puts it this way, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. How did you get saved? You trusted the authority of your soul to the Savior, right? 
Okay, well, if that's good enough for salvation, guess what? It'll be good enough when you go to work tomorrow morning. Or tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow evening. Whenever you go to work, it'll, it'll work. It's something that we need. But we can't get it from ourselves. We have to let the Holy Spirit of God produce it. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Because when we do it, it's works of the flesh. Have you ever met anybody that tried to fake Christianity and show you how good they were? Well, I'll tell you what, there are a few things more offensive to a true Christian than that. And I'll tell you, there's nothing more offensive to God than man trying to imitate the work of the Holy Spirit. We've got to step back and let the Spirit produce the fruit. But until you get faith, never going to get meekness. Until you get meekness, never going to get temperance. Temperance is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The practice or habit of restraining oneself in provocation, passion, desire, etc. Rational self-restraint, one of the four cardinal virtues. This is according to the Oxford English Dictionary. That's the definition of temperance. But let me just uh, read the word temper that temperance comes from. And I think you'll get something here that will help us understand this word. The due or proportionate mixture or combination of elements or qualities. The condition or state resulting from such combination. Proper or fit condition in temper, out of temper, in or out of proper condition. The next definition is to bring anything to a proper or suitable condition, state, or quality by mingling with something else. To qualify, alloy, or dilute by such mixture or combination. Second definition, to modify some unsuitable or excessive state or quality or something or person in respective such, especially by admixture of some other quality, etc., to reduce to the suitable or desirable middle degree or condition free from excess in either direction to moderate, to moderate, mitigate, assuage, or tone down. You see, this idea of temper comes from the, uh, the study or the science of metallurgy. That is the mixing of metals, the forging of swords and, and things like this. That's uh, where we get the word temper. Uh, if you have a good uh, pocket knife, I mean, I grew up, uh, parents from Pennsylvania grew up in the country. Uh, if you were a boy, guess what? You have pocket knife. And uh, it was usually a cheap little piece of junk that was just good for nicking fingers when you weren't watching what you were doing. Uh, but a good knife is indispensable. 
ever in the wilderness, your life could depend upon having a well-tempered blade. Not to fight off bears. Make a campfire to keep you from freezing to death. To uh, fix different things. To uh, take care of different maladies. The, The word temper... It says here to bring to a proper or suitable condition. Does that sound like what the Holy Spirit's trying to do in our lives? He's trying to mollify different excesses in our life by an admixture of other things. The work of the Holy Spirit of God, overcoming the nature of mankind. Amen. I mean, the writers of the Oxford English Dictionary were not intending to teach a spiritual lesson, lesson about the fruit of the Spirit called temperance. But let me tell you, you have to have the right mixture in order to have a knife blade that's going to be good. In these days, you didn't have guns and all of these things. The sword was your weapon. Do you know what happened when you had an inferior quality sword in the battle? It broke. Then what happened? You died. You have to. And, and what happens in people's lives? They get under stress. And they crack. They break. We have special places. That we have people that have broken. Oh yeah, they're still alive. But they need to be protected. They need to be cared for in a very special way. God doesn't want that to happen to his servants. He wants them to be forged properly. That's what temperance is. You know what? You cannot take a sword to battle and have it shattered by the enemy because it's too brittle, and then run home and fix it. It's got to be there before the battle begins. And why do most Christians, people who call themselves Christians, many of whom have trusted Jesus as their personal Savior, why do they flunk out halfway through? It's because they're depending on their own idea of what mixture they need in their life. And Have you ever told God how far you're going to go? Lord, I'll serve you as long as... Well, let me tell you, you don't have temperance. Temperance is the work of the Holy Spirit of God. He'll tell you what you need and what you don't need. He'll put it together in the right quantities... So that quality can be produced. How many of you remember our series on prayer from the Old Testament tabernacle after the art of the apothecary? We spent weeks because in Exodus 30, 35, and thou shalt make it a perfume, a confection after the art of the apothecary, tempered together pure And holy. We're having prayer meeting here in a few minutes. Is your prayer tempered? Is it mixed together in the right proportions? 
Or is it just something we'll slap together that we offer to God? We need to think about these things. You see, when the Holy Spirit produces temperance in our life, it is then that we face the difficult times of life properly. That's why it's the last one on the list. The reason we fail, in the leaf of my old Bible I had this written out, I don't quite remember where I got it, listening to one of the preachers when I was in college many years ago. But it was basically this, when we fail in our service for Christ, it is usually not because of some cataclysmic event. It's because of the minuscule cracks that we allow to develop in our lives And when the time of testing came, they became the reason we failed. How many of you remember when that bridge went down in Minnesota? They had repaired the bridge. But you know what? The bolts were not properly tempered. And when those bolts came under the proper, uh, one came under the stress that the bridge was... They didn't hold up, and the bridge collapsed. We need the Holy Spirit to produce temperance. It's not just keeping your temper. It's not just not getting drunk. The word temperance is a state of proper condition. Now, what are we trying to be conditioned for? We're not athletes, praise the Lord, (laughs) running some big, long race. Most of us would not make it. Uh, I'd be first on the list. But we're supposed to be tempered to endure the storms of this life. Amen? We're supposed to be tempered so that when adversity comes our way, we don't snap. We go forward for Christ. And only the Holy Spirit of God can produce that in your life. But if you're going to get to temperance, you've got to learn meekness first. If you're going to get to meekness, you better have some faith. But contrary to popular myth, you don't get faith by just saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. You get, by, you get faith by having goodness. That's the state of being good. And you get goodness by gentleness. And gentleness by long-suffering. And long-suffering by peace. And you get jo- peace by joy. And you have joy because of love. These things work together. They build one upon another. You can't pick and choose what you want. You either have to have them all or you don't have any at all. So if you get up there and you start looking yourself in the mirror and say, I think I finally understand what preachers are preaching about meekness. But you're missing some peace. Hey, 
Guess what? Go back and get peace first. Start over again. It's the Holy Spirit. Many things ruin fruit. But you know the most wonderful thing about fruit? A tree could miss several harvest seasons and still live to produce good fruit. So just because you have a tainted harvest this year, don't let it happen again next year. Let the Holy Spirit produce the harvest. And all God's people say, Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that the Holy Spirit would have that freedom to produce His fruit in our lives. Lord, let us look at the attributes of this, these two that we've studied tonight, meekness and temperance. Lord, we can't just seek them and ask you for them. They must be grown by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, I pray you would sensitize us to what quenches the Spirit and hinders His working, that we may see your fruit abound. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish...